Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Whether you're here in person or online, welcome. Happy Lunar Year. I hope you get rich. I think that's what it means in Chinese, right? Um, I'm just kidding, though. But more importantly, are Chinese restaurants still open today? I'm serious. I have no idea. Okay, I don't know. But uh, let's pray together. I'm going to give you a moment to slow down, uh, practice the rule of life, to center yourselves. I'm just going to give you 30 seconds to just calm your spirit and your heart to not be distracted, but to hear from Him. Let's exhale. Begin the year with all the automatic, illuminating thoughts at the feet of Jesus Christ. Every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, every thought that tells you you can't, that you're alone, you're in struggle bus alone, bind it and bring it to the feet of Jesus in the house of God. And inhale the promise, the transcending presence of God, that when you call out to Him, the manifest presence comes. Jesus calling, day eight. I will never leave you or forsake you. Many of my followers think that they have to jump through all the right hoops to stay in fellowship with me. If that were true, they would never be able to enjoy my presence. They would have to be perfect to gain an audience with me. Instead, striving to be good enough, I invite you confidently into my presence. If you walk in the light as I am in light, my blood continually cleanses you from all sin. When you become aware of sins, I want you to confess them and seek my help in making needed changes. Nonetheless, your status with me is not based on confessing your sins quickly enough or thoroughly enough. The only thing that keeps you right with me is my perfect righteousness, which I gave you freely and permanently when you joined my royal family. All God's people pray. Amen. So uh, on the church, on the way to church last week, to save time, or I thought I would be saving time, I ordered breakfast sandwiches from a local deli uh, near our house on DoorDash. And 
um, it had a customizable option on eggs. I don't know how you like your eggs, but I like them runny. So I selected checked over and easy. Not thinking about how I would eat them and drive at the same time until later on. So we're on our way to church. There's my son, Nathan, without a care in the world. But when he starts driving next year, after he gets his permit, that's going to change. He's going to drive me to church. And you're going to have to pray that we make it here. But he's devouring his food. He got it scrambled. Nothing is falling out. And me, I'm really regretting the runny eggs because, (laughs) you know, I tried to take a bite without killing us. And at the same time, not getting any yolk on my shirt. And it was really difficult. So I started yelling at my son, like, stop eating that. Give me a bite of your food. I'm, I'm hangry now. And he's like, okay, what do you want me to do? He goes, and then he starts lecturing me. Like, what did you think of getting runny eggs, dad? What is wrong with you? Scramble is just fine. Why do you have to be bougie? Started, and then he started trying to feed me, but even him trying to feed me was a challenge while not killing us. Today and next week, I want to talk to you about ruthlessly eliminating hurry. Tell someone next to you, ruthlessly eliminating hurry. Yes, that's kind of like, it's hard to say. Because we, in our culture, has deluded ourselves to believing that somehow hurry equates to greater productivity. We don't just believe that, we live that lie every day without thinking about the aggregating cost, the effect hurry has on our relationships and in our inner lives. Because somehow we come to believe that the hurried life, a dull, difficult, equates to productivity, and because of its efficacy, that it actually gets things done axiomatically, we'll endure it. How many people here struggle with hurry? Raise your hand if you struggle with hurry. You're overwhelmed. Paul has to uh, go to the airport at 5 a.m. or 3 a.m., and he has to preach in two weeks. Good luck, Paul. Don't hurry. Just slow down. I'm kidding. We all struggle with hurry, and if you live in New York, that's times 10. You see how New Yorkers walk? There's a certain energy to the, they're like, you know, it's like power walking, you know? There's an energy to the city because we think hurry equates to greater productivity. And we implicitly believe this. Even though, tell someone next to you, that's not true. You're like, yes it is, it's true, it's true. I just said it faster. That's the misnomer, common misnomer. Science proves that multitasking, hurry, is ineffective. The brain conquers and divides. It conquers what? Nothing. It divides your focus. Therefore, you can do things, try to eat a sandwich and not kill your your family, like I did, 
but you won't do it effectively. You'll do it poorly. You can do them, but should you? That's the question. It's not effective, so why do it? Well, it feels effective. Hurry doesn't accomplish more. It just feels like you're accomplishing more in the moment because you're rushing. Science proves it doesn't. And unlike the common idea that if you're going to do something, you should do it poorly, I don't think that's true. I don't think you should love people poorly. That you want to love your family poorly. That you want to love people well. There are things you can't ever get back in this life. First, the commodity of time. You can never get some time back. My son will never be 15 again, and I tell God all the time that I don't ever want him to be 15 again, constantly. But the truth is, by the time he's 25, I'm going to miss when he was 15. I don't know. Maybe I won't miss it. But or when they're five, or when they're two, because time has an end and it has movement. We exhibit time. So when you're in a hurry, you're missing it. You're missing the only moment you'll have now. You're missing what's in front of you. You're actually missing the assignment, the kairos moment that God has in front of you because you think and you're overwhelmed by all the things that have to get done but you're not really paying attention to what God might be doing in you, around you, and wants to do through you. And loving people, especially the people that we're committed to loving, our family, our partner, our friends, the world. When you're in a hurry, people become pawns to your agenda. It's called manipulation, coercion. People who are created in the image of God with dignity and value are treated nothing more than a pawn to your peace of how you want something done or how you think something should be done. How, how does this work out in marriages, anyone? <laughs> you're in a hurry. When you're in a hurry, you get into fights. Married people know this. The word idiot comes out a lot. Why can't you put the car seat in? <laughs> a lot of the doctors, in our, especially me and Lee, were like, we don't know how. And the wives look at us. How did, you, how did you get to this point in your life? Hurry is actually not productive or effective, and it hurts people. That's why we have to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. As the philosopher, late philosopher, Dallas Willard used to say, about what the aim of the spiritual life is. That's what we want to talk about today. So why eliminate hurry this week? And how to revel in being present next week? So let's turn to this passage. So we see the scene in Luke 10 where you're introduced for the first time to the characters, Martha and Mary, who were disciples of Jesus. And you see their brother Lazarus come back from the dead in the New Testament. And it's a very pivotal figures of Jesus' miracle working power. But this is their first time 
getting acquainted. So let's look at verse 38 and 42 here. So as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him, which means she's the head of the home. Uh, most likely the father and the mother passed away. Uh, she had a sister called Mary, a younger, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Tell someone next to you. Tell her to help me. Yell it out. Read it correctly, the exclamation point. They tell you in writing, never put an exclamation point because that's too dramatic. Anytime any writer puts an exclamation point, it's like, oh my God, you couldn't describe that? You can describe that. You have, you have to say they were yelling. But here, in this gospel, Martha's yelling. And my question here is this. Why was Martha so passive-aggressive? She was such in a hurry. Tell someone next to you, hurry. Of making Jesus' first visit in her home perfect, she decided to yell at him. To make it, you know, less awkward. And the imperative there is tell her to help me was a command. She told the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, tell her to help me. Jesus, you know I'm right. And Martha's there, oh my God, what's she doing? And she was passive aggressively trying to coerce Mary and tell her that she's lazy. Why are you slowing down? Hurry, help me. Andale, andale, you know? That's what I used to hear in Inwood. Hurry, hurry, come help me. I have to prepare the food for the perfect event and you're messing it up. So she not only yells at Jesus, she's basically coercing Mary to help her and trying to make her feel, what, guilty because the patriarchy of the day, cultural women serve in the kitchen, right? She's trying to strip her of her dignity. Martha, very busy. She's hurting her relationships the result of her hurry, isn't she? She wants to make a good impression. She did it because of her. And you can even tell later on that Jesus is closer to Mary, not Martha. Because the shortest verse in the Bible says that Martha saw Jesus first when Lazarus died, but Jesus didn't cry then. Jesus cried after he talked to Mary. Mary, you're my favorite one. Because, what, they spend time together. So Martha is not a bad character. She's just indicative of all of us. Tell someone, you're like Mary. I mean, you're like Martha. Sorry, you're not like Mary. See, I just did that in a hurry and I messed it up. I mean, we're like Martha. We're trying to be productive. We're trying to make things work. But we're missing it. We're missing the point. And we're hurting others as a result. Our intention is not to hurt people. We don't just like, I wake up in the morning, I want to hurt my wife, my kids. I hurt them because I'm in a hurry. So I came back from Urbana, and my wife was picking me up from the airport. And, and, here, and here it is, like, 
right when I got to the airport, I went there early, went to the lounge, you know, chilling out. Urbana was great. So many great connections. The book sold out, you know, everything. The press we did worked really well. It's going to, you know, go viral when the podcast comes out. Really, really powerful things. But problem. The flight is delayed six hours. And I am tired. And I don't do well being hungry and not having a bed. Like, that's the fleshy part of me. I like comfort. You probably do too. And so I'm tired and, you know, for six hours, I'm sitting at the airport walking around. I literally tried to go to every restaurant. <laughs> Try to get one thing. See if it was any good. But that's a different story. I, I have a blog about that. <laughs> no, but, uh, and so I finally get home and I'm in a hurry to get home. I'm going to get to my bed. But, of course, it's the 31st. I'm trying to also get to a party by the 31st, by midnight, so I could hug people I love, right? I'm in a hurry to love people. And so, but the 31st, every, of course, I thought I was the only one with this bright idea, but no, a million people have this idea of getting home to their loved ones, too. I'm like, your loved ones don't matter more than me. I should go home first. But no, it was, the, the pickup line was horrendous, folks. Paul, you need to help Newark Airport become more functional because it was bad. Park every, and my wife is like, where are you, <laughs> right? And I'm like, I'm right here. Been here for like 12 hours now. And finally I see her and I'm trying to open the trunk and I tell her, open the trunk and it's jammed. The police officer is seeing me right in the middle of the road. He goes, you get out of here. And I'm like, I'm trying, bro. You know? And it's jammed. I'm like, honey, open the door. Open the door. And Josh's like, what is going on? <laughs> I get in the car. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Why couldn't you open the door? He goes, I tried to open the door. You just kept trying to open it again, and it closed. And now we're fighting in the car. And I'm snapping, and I'm losing it, lashing out. And Josh, all of a sudden in the back, is saying he got this ring from Amazon. He thought the ring he got was demonly demonically possessed. And he goes, I think I should throw this ring out like the Lord of the Rings. I think something is wrong with my parents right now. When we're in a hurry, we end up hurting people. In moments where you're supposed to love them the most, you hurt them. The question I have for us today is this. Do we, in the name of productivity and getting things done, hurt others? Because the science says you're not more productive by doing so. All we end up doing is hurting our relationships in our lives. I pray the Spirit of God this year would help me, help you, help all of us be formed. Our aim to be ruthlessly, to eliminate hurry from our lives. So, just so we can mitigate that one thing in the most important moments of our lives, 
and in the humdrum, we can not hurt the people we love in the name of productivity, in the name of getting things done. People are not pawns. We should especially love well in the humdrum, but more importantly, we must love well in most important days because that's when it hurt the most. I pray Spirit of God would help us see that. So why? Why eliminate hurry? First lesson we learn is what? Look at how it what? Makes you treat others. If there is a con and for the, the basic premise of why we should eliminate hurry is because forget not being productive, it hurts our relationships. To just slow down one minute can save you a lot of pain. So it doesn't take you into the negative territory. Amen? So I pray the Spirit would help us see the areas in our lives where people are becoming our pawns because of our hurry and of our goals. And for the Lord to form us in that area this year. So let's move down. So verse 40, pay close attention to this particular word. But Martha was what? Distracted. Tell someone next to you, distracted. Are you distracted? Because <laughs> I am all the time. You're distracted by your phone. You're distracted by FOMO. You're distracted by YOLO. You're distracted... <laughs> You're distracted by everything. We're distracted by everything. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Right? Sometimes the greatest fights come at parties. <laughs> we prepare weddings, parties, baptism. We prepare to celebrate, but the preparation of that celebration causes a lot of tension. So this event, Jesus living basically in the public eye. He has relationships with others that will matter in the canon of Scripture that will be written down. And Jesus' time is limited, right? Three years. And he's in this home for a day of unhurried time. People talk about if you could have lunch with one person, dead or alive, who would you have lunch with to have a conversation? A lot of people pick Jesus, and then next is usually Warren Buffett, and people pay $3 million for that lunch. But of unhurried time, Jesus was in Martha and Mary's living room for a day. And the text says, but Martha was distracted. She was majoring on the peripheral things. Trivial. Frivolous things. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? Of course the Lord cares that she let me to do the work all by myself. Tell her to help me. And then Jesus replies, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried 
and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. If you look at this passage carefully, Martha was distracted, the text says. She was so in a hurry, such in a rush. She lost time, precious moments of being with Jesus in a limited window, a time she would never be able to get back, even though God redeemed that time for us to use as a parable, as a mirror in our own lives. She let the the time get away because she was in such a hurry. She missed his presence. Martha was sitting there, and Jesus says, that's all you need. The greatest call of our time is not productivity, it's presence. What people need today is not your efficacy, your intelligence. They need you just for you to sit with them, for others to sit with us and be. That's the greatest gift of our time. Not productivity, but presence. That's what Jesus is trying to teach here. I remember I was in a hurry one time coming from the airport. Again, the airport is always a picture of hurry. And me, I always always almost miss my flight, either because I'm in the lounge for too long and I knew I shouldn't get that mimosa. I I shouldn't have gotten that. And I'm trying to get the value of the lounge. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I don't want to pay for any food. It's terrible anyway. And I'm trying to go to the American Amex lounge, trying to get my mimosa, trying to get my Diet Coke. I try to pack three of them sometimes. People always look at me like, <laughs> like, that guy knows what to do. Thank you. But uh, one time, put this picture up here. I was supposed to meet someone very important. <laughs> so, you know, my book, um, Leighton Ford, the brother-in-law of Billy Graham and the chairman of the Luzon movement for about 30 years, forwarded my book. Um, and the relationship flourished. But the beginning wasn't very good. I I didn't make a very good impression because I was supposed to meet him with my friend Abe and it was all his fault. I swear. Even though I was driving. (laughs) We were supposed to meet Leighton at a restaurant, a franchise in Charlotte and we went to the wrong one. Apparently there are six of them and we went to the other one of the other side of town so by the time we got to the restaurant, you're meeting with a world, global, you know, like iconic leader. And we were late 50, about 45 minutes. And I'm like in the car telling Abe, you are an idiot. He goes, it's your fault. You're the one that looked it up. You, you're, I said, you should be, you, <laughs> I didn't, couldn't even speak. You should have known there could be more than one. He said, dude, this is my first time in Charlotte. I'm like, all right, fine. We're blaming each other. We're actually, you know, we're, we're showing you what we shouldn't do when you're in a hurry. 
And we didn't know what to say. Because the, 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 the mentor that got us that meeting is going to hear this now. And we were really afraid of what this man would say. Like, you two, you guys are idiots. What the heck is wrong with you? And it would be justified. So we got there. I was like, Dr. Ford? We're so sorry. And he goes, Sam, sit down. And I was like, all right, we're, we're going to hear a lecture for three hours. Or he's going to yell at us. Or he goes, I, I don't really have time. I have to go. He goes, relax. Take your jackets off. Sit down. Let's order some food. And then we were there for another I don't know, two hours. And he said, you honor me with your presence. That's the moment I learned that people who know Jesus really well are not in a hurry. And they're not mad when, you're, when you come at your worst. They're, they're merciful. And that's why this past week, when I went to Boston with a couple of guys, we're late to the game by two hours. And Steph Curry just hit a half-court shot before halftime. Vincent came to me and said, Doc, I'm so sorry. My initial reaction was, I'm going to kill you. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. I remember I was reflecting, waiting while parked because, you know, you can't go into the Boston arena. You know how Boston is. They're petty. <laughs> like, it's so important you can't bring a book bag inside. Come on. They let you do that in New York. Okay, but anyway, I'm being petty now, getting distracted. But um, they came. We, we missed a whole halftime, but I was like, they're like, you know, in a hurry. And I was just like, don't worry, man. At least we'll watch the third quarter. And it was an epic moment because we got to spend unhurried time. And God made it up to us because it went over time. And the last 10 minutes was better than the, the first 20, the first 24. And in that unhurried time, we got to pray with John of him making sense of his faith and surrendering his life to Christ. Right? I mean, but that doesn't happen with an unhurried time. If we think of productivity and we think of getting things done, we miss the ache of the human soul. What is the ache of the human heart to just be in relationship? To be together. To have conversations that matter. And I remember praying together just for moments. And I had a suspicion that God was working this way. And I wonder, for all of us here tonight, I mean not tonight, see, I don't even know what word time it is. This is to 43, folks. I no longer know what day it is or what time it is. But what are you missing because you're in a hurry, folks? What are we missing? Are we missing moments we can never get back the move of the Spirit in ways that we can't even see because we're rushing past the Spirit of God. How do you walk in pace with God? You have to be at His pace. Right now, there are people in your life God is moving in 
God is inviting and God is speaking too, but we don't even know because what? We're rushing past it. So why eliminate hurry? Second lesson we learned today. Read it with me. Look at how, what? It steals the time you'll never get back. Kairos moments. Moments you'll always want to remember. And you know what? That event in Boston, for Peeves, me, John, um, Vincent to pray together in that residence inn, in our pajamas, in the morning, was better than the half-court shot Steph made. Even though Steph, Steph's shot was pretty nice. And it would have been pretty nice to be there to see it. But God had other half-court shots in mind. We can't get the time back. And this year, God is calling a lot of us to ruthlessly eliminate hurry, to see the power of God move in people in our lives around us, to open our eyes to what God is doing. Amen? And I pray the Spirit of God right now will help you to see for those people, friends and family members that need the Lord. And that all they need really is our presence to sit down, unhurried time like Jesus, to just be, and the Spirit will move. So it turns out, last week, not only did we not save any time, because we found out when we went to the deli, if you're curious about what happened, that they don't even make the sandwich until you get there. And I told David, what is the heck is the point of ordering and picking up? They don't make, well, they said that, uh, like, you know, like people don't show up and they lose money. I'm like, oh my gosh. So we didn't save time by even planning ahead. Frustrating. And all the trying to not get the yoke on my shirt, the whole 40 minutes, 50 minutes of driving. Right? I'm, I'm serious. I was like dancing not to get it. It got on my shirt. And I didn't even know it until the end of the day. <laughs> this is why we have to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Not only don't you save time, it's not even productive. And we have to learn to ruthlessly plan to slow down and revel in what's in front of us. So we don't miss moments we want to remember. And we don't hurt others, but we are present and love them. But that's next week. Let's stand and pray together. I wonder what God will do in us, around us, and through us. 
if we eliminated hurry, if we killed New York-itis, instead of power walking everywhere, we started just walking slowly and paid attention to the pace God is walking in. I wonder the life change that will take place if we opened our eyes to what God might be doing this year around us, in us, and wants to do through us. Today, will you lift your hands with me and surrender your hurry? Surrender your plans. Surrender some of those crazy neuroses of believing this lie that, that if we rush, that if we just push through faster, that equates to greater productivity. And that's why you endure it. You rush and you live in this frantic pace because you believe that it will add gains. But it doesn't. Will you believe God's time to do everything he's called you to? Why would God call you to do something inhibiting time if you don't have enough time to do it? That's because we don't believe we don't have enough time. God's time's different, isn't it? He's called you. So God, we surrender hurry and we want to walk in your pace. Let's make this our prayer.
as we close today, I want to give you a golden nugget. In a study done with 40,000 couples, there is one phrase that determined the success of a relationship in a responded study by psychologists. Guess what that one phrase was? It's your fault, no. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for making the coffee today. Thank you for making the bed. Thank you for watching our son. Now you better watch our son. Thank you for making this wonderful meal. Sometimes in our lives, we think those little things don't matter because they're too small. And then you go, I'm going to make a grand gesture, and those grand gestures never happen. But the study proves that when you slow just even a little bit down and express gratitude, it makes all the difference. It aggregates into butterflies. My wife tells me when I say thank you for the coffee, she gets butterflies. I'm like, oh, I should say thank you more. That's pretty easy. So today, as we close, for, for all of us, can you slow down a bit this week and practice this? Things that we might take for granted that's really small, begin to be grateful for and say, express it, thank you. Where you're about your heads for the benediction today. Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. All God's people pray. Amen. May you go in peace. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to 180 Church. My name is Sarah. I'm a member here. I'm just going to be sharing some community news before we go into the rest of today's service. So first off is how we can give. If you're a member here at 180 Church, we want to remind you to keep God in the center of your life and finances. You can give at Venmo, Zelle, Chase Quick Pay, or PayPal. And if you're visiting, welcome. You're our guests. There's no financial obligation to give. But if you'd like to do so, you're welcome to do so through the methods above. The next up is Bible Reading Group, which you can find on Instagram at 180BRG. You can find on there beautiful images and captions to brighten your feed throughout the week. And this is a really great way for us to keep God's word in our life, on our feeds, and to learn more about who he is. So we invite you to follow along there. And next up, more ways we can connect throughout the week. Here are all the places you can find us on social media. So we have two other Instagram handles as well, 180 Church and 180 Fellowship. We also have our Facebook page at 180 Church, Dr. Sammy's Twitter, 
at Dr. Sammy Kim. And we have our YouTube channel, 180 Church NYC, which I know a lot of people are watching at home right now. And so speaking of our live stream, you can join there if there's ever a time where you can't join us here in person, or if you have friends and family who can't join in person, they can tune in every Sunday at 12, 10 p.m. on YouTube at 180 Church NYC. All right, so next up we have small groups. Small groups are a way we can slow down and reflect on what we hear on Sundays in community. And we have various groups for different stages of life. So some are meeting in Zoom and some are meeting in person. Feel free to ask me or any of the greeters in the 180 shirts for times and locations if you'd like to get plugged in or just to learn more about it. Next up is our resources. So we have a number of resources available for purchase at the cafe, including devotionals to help us connect with God on the daily. And we have Doc's new book, A Holy Haunting, that can help you and others, both seekers and believers, connect with him wherever we might be on our faith journey. I know for me personally reading it, it's been really encouraging and just remembering through my own process of my own um, finding God. So we really invite you guys to read it if you're not already. And um, we just want to continue to remember to pray for our friends and family that might be reading this and everything that God is doing with the book. And the prices and um, yeah, the prices are listed on the screen for all of the devotionals and the book. Next up at the cafe as well, you can also check out our 180 merch designed by Andy. So now you could be super comfy and represent your home. Um, you can pick one up at the cafe and pay with the honor system. We also have our prayer text hotline at 5397-PRAYER. So this is a great resource if there's anything going on in your life and you're looking for some extra prayer support. Um, you can submit it there and there will be a team praying in confidentiality for you. Um, and if there's anyone in your life that you're thinking about and you're reaching out to, you can look them up there as well. We also have our prayer uh, house of prayer on Sundays at the theater at 1145. And this is a place where we can prepare our hearts before service as Pastor Lydia leads this time. And if you're looking for ways to serve in the community, we're looking for volunteers to help in many different areas of our community. We have 180 Cafe. You can come help wake people up with a really good cup of coffee or tea. Um, for Sunday school, you can come help our littlest members get to know the love of Jesus better. And if you're a techie, you can come help us build really cool stuff online. And we're always looking for um, people to join our greeting team so you can greet both new and old faces into the community. And you can see any of our greeters in the 180 shirts um, or the cafe, and they'll help you get connected to any of these. So those are all of our announcements today. If you'd like to learn more, you can also check out our website at 180church.tv.